Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lions Watch, the Football Rambles regular look at what's going on with the England men's football team. I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm Luke Moore. Believe it or not, the World Cup is only seven weeks away. And although things may feel a little different this time round, as we miss the optimistic rays of the summer sun and the looming promise of a pint-soaked beer garden, we'll still be with you every step of the way as Gareth's gang gear up for another go at glory. So here on Lions Watch, Luke and I will be with you every Saturday between now and the tournament, reporting on all the latest news and talking points, good and bad, from the Three Lions. There'll also be plenty of room for you to have your say. And there's already so much to get stuck into, as last week Jude Bellingham shone and Harry Maguire sank during a Nations League campaign that didn't quite go to plan. That was the worst performance I have ever seen from an England team, ever. We were totally hopeless for 90 minutes. It's another wretched night for England at a major tournament. And did you also miss a left-footed player down the left side? Yeah, but where is that player? How are we going to win this tournament as England? And England win on penalties! A semi-final won by England at long... Here we are again, Luke Moore. It's Lions Watch time, baby. It's come around so fast, hasn't it? It has come around so fast, and that's exactly what we wanted. Yeah. I, I, w- I would ideally get to a situation where there would be absolutely no break at all between <laughs> international tournaments. So basically, when yeah. the team wins it, they lift the trophy. Very nice. All that ticker tape, the fireworks <laughs> in the stadium, all that kind of stuff. Bundle them in a bus. <laughs> you're off to the next one. See what Jürgen yeah. Klopp thinks about that. Can we can we have a, a super de duper league where it's just this the international teams and we play them every week? I I, th- I think the people who are planning the European Super League have yeah. missed a Mr. remarkable Drip. trick because because all they could do to get your un 
wavering support as a big influencer in the football space, Marcus, is just to put them in international strips. Yeah, exactly. And you'd be all over it. But honestly, right, if I'm there, as disgusted I was at the Super League, everybody was, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, there we go, Liverpool, blah, blah, blah. England, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> We're in there. Speller doing, doing the host of the, the Ramble episode where it breaks and he, and, he, and he just sees the word England on the running order and he just goes, let's not be hasty. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk out. about it. <laughs> let's give it a go for a couple of seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, well, yeah, I mean, but of course, you know, the nearest thing to uh, the uh, the Super League international level is, of course, the, the UEFA Nations League, uh, and England uh, England are relegated, as we know. But let's start with some good news for crying out loud. We don't want to yeah. bring everybody down. Good news uh, for England, of course, is Jude Bellingham's performances for the Three Lions. Uh, he, he's been a, he's been a very good player despite still being a teenager, of course. Uh, but his teammates certainly appreciated his performance as well. We're going to quote Jordan Henderson here, who said, I like Jude. I think he's an amazing player. He's a fantastic professional, and his mentality is really key for his development. I almost don't want to big him up too much because he's still a young lad. I'm sure he'll have a big part to play in Qatar, but I'd rather start than him, is maybe not what he finished <laughs> by saying. Um, but, it, but that is something that England fans will uh, hopefully um, find uh, a little bit of solace in, despite the, 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 the poor performances and the goals against Germany. It was Jude Bellingham's performances, uh, Luke? Yeah, I think so. And I, th- I think, um, look, we know, we've known Jude has been a good player for a long while. Obviously, we make a show with, with Andy and, and he, he's, he sees him a lot more than most of us and, and has talked about his potential for a very long time. But I do think in the way, the way that football is, is covered these days and the way it works is you do need to see a showpiece performance or several showpiece performances for, I think, the world or the, the people who are interested in it as a subject to go, OK, now in my mind, he's now flicked from being potential to actually being a really important player. Mm. And I think you've probably seen the vestiges of that with Bellingham on Monday night in the three-all um, against Germany. Right, he was a player of the match, incidentally. He was. And I think if you look at the stats and, and you do the eye test, if you actually watch the game, I, th- I think you'd be very, very hard-pressed to argue with that. Um, and I also think it fits into quite a nice long tradition of, well, not nice, but just a tradition of of England teams with these talismanic type players. Marcus, you and I over the years have talked about this a lot and it can be a mm. good thing and it can be a bad thing. The way it can be a bad thing is because it can heap a lot of pressure on individual players when it's, it's not you know, conducive to good performances and, and good results. And the way it can be a good thing is it gets people excited. I think in a weird way, given what's happened since and given the type of player he is when compared to Bellingham, it kind of happened a bit with Grealish, didn't it, going into the last tournament? Yeah. I think Grealish is... Uh, I think the fact that Grealish wasn't starting games, people were like, bring him on, you know, that, that kind of impacts sub sort of vibe. Whereas Bellingham hasn't really played much at all, um, if any, uh, at, at tournaments for England. And he's come along. Well, I say come along. Him being put in the side and playing well and developing as a player—it's all come probably at the right time. Because of course, Calvin Phillips has been injured, and we're not sure if he's going to make Qatar at all. I mean, I think if he's fit, he will go. He's been a crucial player for England in recent years, and him and Rice were very good together in in the centre of the pitch. Whereas if he's not there, mind you, even if he is there, Bellingham has really made the case for for him for himself starting because he's a type of player. Andy said as well, he, England don't have many players like that. And Declan Rice himself said of his uh, recent um, new midfield partner, he's 19, but he's got the body of a 28-year-old. He's a man! 
He thinks like a man, plays like a man. I don't think I've seen anyone as good as he is for 19. He's got the whole package. Now, calm down, Declan. Stay focused <laughs> on your job, for crying out loud. You're just marvelling at him. But, um, but he's right. And I've, one of the things, and, and that interesting, when he says he, he thinks like a man, Bellingham in, in, in interviews does come across actually quite mature and quite confident, but not arrogant and not pampered or anything like that. You know, sometimes with yeah. footballers nowadays, you people think, oh, he comes across very arrogant or very insular, blah, 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 blah. Bellingham does come across as quite a well-rounded uh, and grounded uh, young chap. Yeah. And he's got, got all the tools, of course. And I, I, I've wanted to see him start for England for a while. In fact, you and I, when we put our... Um, our 11s together for England's opening match against Iran, which I thoroughly regret now, of course, with some of the reactions. But there's no but, right uh, answer to that. You're always going to get hammered <laughs> on social media, mate. It's just well, we, we put what we'd maybe like to see in, in a kind of an ideal um, world. But we both started Bellingham, is the point. Yes, we did. To say. And I, th- I think, to be, to be fair, um, if you look at all the other mainstream football outlets now who are starting to do these you know, ideal 11s for the first game for England... Mm-hmm. I think all of them have Bellingham in there. Yeah. So, I mean, that probably shows you. Um, you and I think you're probably, in many ways, out of the two of us, the best way to, uh, the best person to comment on on Bellingham having the body of a 28-year-old. Because, of course, you, you're fortunate enough to have the body of a 28-year-old yourself, aren't you? So, um, 28-year-old what? <laughs> 20, yeah, 28-year-old dog. You need to dog. specify which... <laughs> <laughs> With an average life expectancy of about, I don't know, sort of 12 to 15 yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, I checked out. Yeah, to come, to come back on, to come back on, on, on the, the, the point around Phillips mm. as well is that, um, you know, he may or may not go. You know, Guardiola said that, you know, he thinks he should be ready. He's, either way, Guardiola's you know, not really picking him when he is fit. So, I mean, mm. he's not, he's played 13 minutes of competitive football since his moves. So that tells you your own, you know, that tells you his own story. And that's not a criticism of Guardiola. He's, his, his priorities are obviously different. He, he has to put a winning team together and we all understand that. Mm. But I do think um, Bellingham coming in, in the same position as Phillips, but as a better player, is hugely beneficial for Southgate because the big criticism of Southgate has been that he's not progressive enough, that he's he's mm-hmm. too cautious. And Bellingham is that transitional, much more forward-thinking player than Phillips is. And there yeah. were several examples of that on Monday night. You know, he doesn't take the simple option. And I, I, I speak as someone who, who, as a football fan, who who doesn't mind at all um, players knowing their limitations, players mm-hmm. who break things up and mm-hmm. and give it simple. But Bellingham can see beyond the simplest pass, and he can make it a lot more transitional. And I think that's a really important positive thing particularly when I think it's fair to argue that despite him being absolutely fantastic since he's broken through as a professional player I don't think Declan Rice has really hit his straps this season yet um, and West Ham have have found it fairly difficult in comparison to earlier seasons so Mm. um, all that is a very positive thing and is absolutely why old Jude is in the top of our good news section this week Marcus. Very much so yeah I think um, interestingly enough on, on Guardiola and Calvin Phillips Guardiola did say, I don't know how long Calvin Phillips will be out for. I'm not a doctor. Mm. But I bet he does act like a doctor when he's yeah. in the surgery. He, crucially, he's got imagine. access to several doctors every day in his work. <laughs> so he could just ask someone. <laughs> yeah. I think the doctors very much keep Pep at uh, a great distance from what they do. Oh, he's here, he's here again. Yeah. <laughs> Put your stethoscope in. Imagine him turning up at surgery. Ah, <laughs> oh, blimey, I don't need this. Just put me. your stethoscope in on anything. Just to yeah. look busy. <laughs> Uh, why are you not a surgeon yet? Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a crucial position for England. England have struggled in, in that position really since I can remember. I mean, it really is a central midfield battle 
England often come across, uh, come over second best when they play against big teams. Southgate has, has, is, is trying to play a little bit more well, progressive, as, as you've said, believe it or not, everybody. I think that's the, the plan because England against Croatia in the semi-final against, um, well, you can even say the Netherlands in the semi-final of UEFA Nations League, if I'm, you know, if, if mm. I can dare mention that tournament again. And, uh, and of course, in the Euros final against Italy, there was just that lack of, of being able to hold the ball, being able to do anything with the ball, actually, you know. And I actually, I, I think... With that transitional play that Bellingham is, is is good at, picking the ball up on the half turn and so on, I think England actually, to, to try and sort of talk about why can't we keep possession, why the next generation will do that better because they've been yeah. coached. I know, I know that it's changing, but at the, England are not going to suddenly turn into a possession-based side when they play against the best. We've also, but we've also got to maintain some kind of realism here because exactly. re- I, th- I think when it comes to tournament success, yeah. who can we honestly say in the modern era, has won tournaments, actually won them, mm. by playing really progressive attacking football. And and, and, and they all, the, 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 um, the response to that normally is, oh, that Spain dynasty, that dynastic Spain team in 08, 10, 12. But they, I mean, they didn't really play. There were a lot of one nils and there's a well, lot of kind of holding the ball as a defensive tactic because when you've got the ball, yeah. the Spanish philosophy then was that the other team couldn't score. It was rooted in defensive-minded play, yeah. I think. The possession-based, uh, yeah, they 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 kept possession. So it can't be too say. progressive, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, totally, yeah, but they kept possession, so the other team couldn't have the ball, and and it was yeah. actually defensive kind of tactic. You, you, you're absolutely right. So we, so Bellingham will that's be some good news to start with, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly. Bellingham will be a big part of this side, providing he stays fit. All the usual caveats. But I say, look forward to his November injury. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we we certainly hope he can stay fit for obvious reasons. Let's uh, bring some bad news to the table. It won't surprise anybody, of course, that we are going to talk about Harry Maguire because it was a bit of a gamble uh, by Southgate. Um, and Southgate clearly used these games to stand by Maguire and say, no, he is a big part of my team. And, 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 and Maguire has been a big part of Southgate's sides over um, Southgate's tenure as England manager. All of four, Maguire's 47 caps have been under Southgate. And Maguire has played well. The England fans have taken to him. They've got that chant about him and so on and so forth. But we fast forward back to today, if you see what I mean. And he's not playing for Manchester United. We know his form's not been, been great. In fact, that's generous. His form has been dreadful. Ahead of the Euros, his form wasn't great and, and he had an injury. But he came into the side and he showed immediately... Ah, there he is, and and hit the ground running in those Euros, and and actually when he wasn't in the side against the against Croatia, I think people thought, oh, actually he's more important. Those days are well and truly in the past now, and he looks like he could be a liability for England. That this is a therapy session for you, this, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you get it all Thank out, you, mate. Everybody. Don't yeah, boil yeah, it up. Yeah. So I just I don't know, Luke. And he's what, let us uh, down. He's, what he's done is he's let us down. <laughs> I just want him to be good again. I yeah. I can see him in the room with me now. Um, the difference is, Mark, is you want him to be good again. I just want, I kind of don't necessarily care who's good as long as the people who play are good, if you know what I mean. I just like singing the song. Yeah, fair enough. But did the England fans still sing the song? I mean, is that... Is that well, they did at the Euros, yeah. Yeah, okay. And that's that the most recent kind of um, tournament. But it, it was reported that Maguire stayed behind at Wembley for almost two hours after the Germany game to hold a private chat. Trying to intercept yeah, the through ball, was he? <laughs> no, I'll so be then. up to full speed in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just one more game. Can you organise just one yeah. more game? No, I think, look, it is the bad news section, so Harry Maguire is going to be a part of it. Um, I, I think 
I, I spoke a bit on Monday, didn't I, about how I feel about it and 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 the fact that I, I think Southgate knew he was taking a gamble, which is against his better nature, I believe, and it hasn't paid off. And that's fine. It, part of operating at the very top level and whatever you're doing is you have to gamble and take chances and, 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 and with those chances occasionally comes success. So I don't begrudge him taking the gamble, but it hasn't paid off and it does leave a big question mark over what he does if we're both convinced that he's going to start that first game with a back three, which I think we are. Um, I would throw it back to you, I think, and say, what do you think he should do mm. given he's seen what he's seen there's going to be no opportunities um for for Maguire to pull the English shirt on ahead of the World Cup um and given that we don't necessarily think Eric Ten Hag going to do any of us a favor right so yeah I'll chuck it back at you what what do you think is the best thing to do well I think we all need to put a lot of pressure on Ten Hag <laughs> I think you need to start this man ca- Remember, starts here. yeah don't bite the hand that feeds you uh, yeah. is what I would say to him um <laughs> but and on a more serious note though I think that Unless Maguire gets back into that Manchester United side, which seems incredibly unlikely, and, and and unless he gets back into the side because he's been, you know, showing something in training, and then and any time he's been given a chance, he shows something, and he, and he's inform, his performance has improved drastically. I just don't see how Southgate can start him. I understand Southgate has stuck by him there, and I, and I think that what Southgate really wanted out of this time was to put him in there to Maguire for, for Maguire a bit like the Euros hadn't played for a while and there was question marks over his form to again hit the ground running and show everybody actually you see he's still a big part of this defence and it would be a confidence booster for Maguire yeah definitely that's totally and everyone would go oh okay well I suppose because Southgate said when he first joined as England manager I'm going to pick players on form and so on they are just words that that's that is relevant to people like, say, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer has been in good form and he's got back into the side. He, the... A, in a way, Marcus, he has to say, and you're right, it's, it's shown up to be completely false, but there is an element of that where you have sympathy with the coach because he has to kind of say that. He, yeah. he has to say, he has to think that there are players out there playing at a very, very high level mm. who I may need in six months' time. Yeah. And I need them to know that if they play really well and I need to call upon them, I will. Mm. Otherwise, it's not a motivational technique for them is it to say oh no I've got my team and that's that thanks very much Yeah, he can't, see, he can't say that that'd be a preposterous thing for him to say so I do have sympathy for him saying that I do also agree with you that I think it's bollocks yeah but I think I think some people are, are motivated in different ways and also again if you've played really well for Southgate and you have a little bit of a dip in form not Maguire I'm saying Maguire shouldn't start now but if you have a bit of a dip in form and, and, and maybe you're not used as much or whatever even take Grealish who's not starting that much for Manchester City he's coming to the side a little bit is Southgate really going to go, no, 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 I, I have to stay true to my word. Southgate is going to use that word when it suits him. And yeah. all managers do that to varying degrees because not all players are treated the same. Nobody's yeah, treated the same. It's, just, it's, it's very, very difficult and sometimes unwise to take that approach. But with Maguire, I think that um, Eric Dyer showed that he's, he's, um, he's worthy of a starting place in this side. And Dyer plays in the middle of a three, whereas I think before, uh, you know, in the Euros and all, it would be John Stones in that role. Uh, Maguire to his left and Carl Walker on the right of the three and I think Walker will be there uh, Mings came in um, when England played a back four against Croatia but I think a mid a, a defensive three of say Eric Dyer in the middle with John Stones it would have to be on the left and then Carl Walker on the right side of that mid, uh, of defensive three I, th- I think that's not bad at all so, so you would so then it, given that this is the bad news section you yeah. wouldn't extrapolate that bad news out to England have a defensive problem generally you would mm. say 
this Harry Maguire gamble hasn't paid off. So that's a question mark over what Southgate does specifically with him. But wider conversations around defence you're, you're less worried about. Yeah, I suppose so. Because I think with this Nations League campaign, Southgate used the first game against Hungary all the way back at the start of summer when they lost 1-0. He used that as an, an experiment and he thought, well, worst off, we're not going to lose the game because Hungary are just not going to come at us at all. And, and we'll, we'll have enough quality to win the game. So I kind of understand that. It was just a Reese James mistake and Hungary scored the penalty and England lose. Then England play away in Germany and so he tries to do something else. But England showed, I'm pretty sure it was the Germany game second, forgive me if that's wrong, but certainly at the start of the, the, the campaign. And then England obviously get a spirited draw in, 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 you know, when, they, when they fight back. And then he thinks, right, we've got the two home games against Italy and Hungary. We'll, we'll, we'll do something there. They don't beat Italy. And then, of course, Hungary is just one of those disastrous games where you think, hang on, it's a little bit of a freak in one sense, a little bit of a, uh, actually, this is quite worrying. When these two games then come along, there's pressure. You don't want to be relegated. You've got to show a bit of something. And also, they are the last two games before the, the World Cup begins. And I think Southgate thinks, right, OK, Okay, we've got we've got to sort of nail down that the, the pressure's on. Okay, and I'm gonna and, and for the, for those reasons he he stuck with um, Maguire, but by then it's all a bit disjointed and so on. I think when the tournament begins, yeah, and and they will have you know a bit of time on the training ground beforehand, although not that much. But when the tournament begins, I just remind people of of England defensively in the Euros. Actually, they were pretty solid. You know, they talked about the Yorkshire Wall of. Um, of of Walker, Stones, and Maguire, and and they were pretty tight. Did they play against huge, like really good quality opposition? Yeah, it could have been played against more. But you know, Italy did win the tournament and were probably the best side of the tournament, and only scored one goal through a set piece against England. So I, I'm not yeah. as worried as some are about the defence if I think he makes that change and brings Maguire out of there. So well, I mean, that, England only conceded two goals in that whole tournament, didn't exactly, they? Exactly. Yeah, and Pickford's got to come in because you know Nick Pope. I don't think has. Uh, Obviously, there was the mistake at the end. I don't think Pope is the number one. I would still, I would have Ramsdale's number two, although Ramsdale was in golf. No, I think, I think that's been the chat isn't it, this week. I mean, things do change, and you know, pretty quickly, Pope makes that mistake. The reason I think that's more impactful mm. for him is because he's seen as someone who's entirely safe as a pair of hands. He's almost, he's not seen as someone who's a dynamic, risk-taking, start and attack goalkeeper yeah. like Pickford kind of is. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, he's ultimately it probably won't matter because all things being equal, he won't play a single minute in the World Cup anyway. Mm-hmm. And he, and he's almost guaranteed to be in the squad. Um, so it's obviously disappointing from him on a personal level. But I think you're right. I think Ramsdale's a far more similar goalkeeper to Pickford. And if you're setting your team up in a tournament situation to play a certain way, well, you're going to bring someone in if Pickford's unavailable that's most suited, right? And mm-hmm. so to me, it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference. I find this is a bit disappointing for a likeable character who's a good goalkeeper and who doesn't mm-hmm. want to make that kind of mistake in a high-profile game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it really matters. Sure, okay. Well, let's go for a quick break, but just to sort of summarise, I'm concerned about Maguire, but actually the wider point about the defence, I don't think it's actually as bad as maybe some people are making yeah. out, but we will hear from our good listeners in the second half. See you in a moment. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
Only from Rustolium. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look. With Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J U V E D E R M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary. Scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome back, everybody. Right, big Lukey Moore, what's next? How are we start in this second half? So far, so good, and I think the first half was definitely right, Mark, as it was a far cheaper way of therapy than um, than, than than we thought for you. So um, it's worked out very, very well. Um, second half, we're going to do we're going to do a brand new feature, right? Because no last way. year in Lions Watch, we talked about tournaments gone by, didn't we? And that was our big thing that we did in the second half. We can't do that again. A bit lazy. Or, no, I've had that, that. That I'm cured of that. So yeah, exactly. So this time, this season, um, this series, we're going to do what I've called the take thermometer. Oh, okay. The take thermometer. So um, the way it works is, Where I'm are we gonna, putting the thermometer. Yeah, um, up right up, right up your bot bot. <laughs> uh, no, right up. We're going to put the thermometer right up the bot bot of a big take <laughs> that we've seen relating to the England team this week. I'm going to explain. The take to you, Marcus, using the headline and using the general crux of what a pundit has said. And I want you and I to discuss whether we think it's a hot take or not. And we'll come to a a decision about the temperature of the take. Is it a Mm. piping hot, fire in the belly take? Or is it a freezing cold, head in the... That doesn't really work, not head in the freezer. Is it a freezing cold, (laughs) shit take? Is it a hot take or is it a load of old bollocks, basically? Um, So we're going to start. I think the best place to start is... um, ubiquitous super pundit Gary Neville right uh, and he's had the following take this week relating to mm. the England team the headline mm. was this Gary Neville backs Gareth Southgate in England to peak at the World Cup he's basically saying and suggesting mm. that England will still do well at the World Cup and the poor mm. results can largely be explained by a lack of motivation to play in what he calls friendly style Nations League games he suggests that the former player and coach he understands these games don't inspire players as much as the real meaningful ones do and that the tournament is where England need to peak and where they have peaked over the past two tournaments so in summary the headline markers Gary Neville backs Gareth Southgate and England to peak at the World Cup take it away is that a hot take or not I think I think that that is a that is a a, a medium hot take actually okay 
because I do agree with him. When he says peak, I'm not sure if they'll peak as a team under Southgate. I think we may have seen the peak at the Euros. No, but in this mini cycle, I think he means in this mini cycle. Yeah, no, I actually, I'm. This is me being hopeful, but 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 I I do I think he's got a point. I think this is a good take because before the last two tournaments under Southgate, before um, we got into them, England didn't look that great. It wasn't as bad as this. But I think England, you know, they, they did look a little bit slow and, and so on. So I, I think Neville might have a point here. I don't, I don't think that's too bad. OK, so I, well, the way I approached it was by looking, almost looking at the numbers and looking at the data. And mm. I went back to, um, I went basically I went through every tournament from 2010 onwards, which I think was kind of, as we go before 2010, it starts to get a little bit less relevant, I think. Yeah. And if you look at the lead up to 2010, the World Cup in South Africa, England won all three of their friendlies uh, in March and May and then went into um, the World Cup looking absolutely shit mm. and um, were knocked out in the second round handily by Germany, of course. 2012, um, there was a lot of upheaval, wasn't there? But they lost, if you, if you remember, Marcus, which I'm sure you do, they lost a friendly to Netherlands, 3-2 at home. Yeah. Then they beat Norway and Belgium. And then how would you describe their campaign in 2012? Poor again, I suppose? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not, not that good. Although we did watch them against Sweden in Kiev and uh, that was a nice evening for us. So it was. let's not be too critical. Not really the big picture, though, is it? <laughs> we had a nice night out. <laughs> what, I mean, what, is, what is going to football if it's not a nice... <laughs> time out you know keep it relatable keep it relatable uh, 2014 England again undefeated in the preparation four international friendlies one two drew two and then had a horrific time at 2014 mm-hmm. 2016 again the only they lost 2-1 in that build up to Netherlands Marcus so that's probably uh, what you're thinking of but they won the three games leading up to the Euros yep. and then again then the deer probably of, of Hodgson's reign they lost to Iceland 2018 um, again very very positive start uh, and then go through to the uh, semi-final, and then 2020, the, the build-up to the um, to the Euros, which of course was in 2021. In the end, um, it was a bit of an odd one because they played some qualification games for the World Cup because of the pushback tournament because of COVID. But they had two friendlies leading up to it, and they won both of them without conceding the goal, and then got through to the final. My point being that I think it's a fairly Poor take overall because England in recent times and in squads that Gary Neville has been a part of, either as a player or as a coach, England have looked very good going into tournaments and then have disappointed. Yeah. And that's been part of the reason that our expectations have been so high, right? Mm. So he's now saying it's the opposite would probably be the case, chiefly because Gareth Southgate's record recently has been very good. Yeah, no, I think that is a fair point because actually uh, there was a piece in The Athletic this week which showed you all the teams that have won the World Cup in the 21st century, and not just won the World Cup, reached mm-hmm. the final as well. They've all had very good... Like, in the five matches before the World Cup, they've either been undefeated or they've, they've won them all. You know, they've looked good going into the tournament. All the teams that have gone all the way, even the teams that have got to the semi-finals, have looked all right. Whereas, actually, England's record going into this tournament is very, very bad. And, and, and if you look at it with that yardstick then England aren't going to go far. But then you, you can bring in other sort of, you know, you, you, you could spin this around and, and, and bring in other facts and, you know, has a, had a, had a, when was the last time a country further east than, say, you know, Germany or Italy ever reached a final? Well, Croatia did it last time, whereas before that would have been uh, 1950 maybe in Hungary or something like that. So, right. you know, uh, forgive me if that's slightly wrong, but, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So, yeah. But the reason why I think Southgate's take isn't bad because I just think that England 
during these things, uh, I think that the, the, the two friendlies, or the, not friendlies, the two Nations League games at, um, going into the summer, the players were knackered. They just wanted it to be over. And I think the way Southgate kind of set up against Hungary in the first game uh, and it kind of... Yeah, timing's a part of this, isn't it, for sure? That, 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 kind, it of, that kind of did it. And actually, it was that, that freak game against Hungary, 4-0... I think that really influenced kind of like everything that kind of that went after that, and they're kind of chasing their tail a bit. So I just, I suppose, I don't think England will be this bad come the tournament, right. really. So you actually, so, you, so okay, so let, so let's why not then? Why not? I mean, this show isn't sponsored by Nando's, but let's no. use the Nando's periometer. Yeah, okay. Extra mild, mild, medium hot, or extra hot. Yeah. What do you think of that take? Gary Neville backs Gareth Southgate and England to peak at the World Cup. Tell me how hot you think that is on the periometer. I think it's, I think it's medium. Okay, so you think you can see where he's coming from? Yeah, is every chance out. I would call. I would give it. I'm not going to say it's extra mild because I don't think it's bang wrong. Mm. I, I think that he's probably looking for positivity because, as am I, for whatever reason. Yeah, of course, and you are too. And yeah. so he's trying to give England a bit of space because I think that the premise of him saying this was that I think Fizzer piped up saying that you know the negativity's back around the England team and we're always like this as fans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I'm going to call it mild. So you're going medium, I'm going mild. It's yeah. certainly not a hot take. No. But, um, that's the take thermometer for this week. We'll have another there one we next are. week, Marcus. Lovely, lovely, yeah. No, I, I think... Uh, Maybe our know, listeners I, will tell us what they think about it as well. I'm sure they will. I'm sure yeah. they will. I mean, well, okay, so so that leads us on nicely then um, to, uh, to your news, everybody, uh, which is us asking you a question and seeing what you think of it all. And the question we posed to you on social media was, did England versus Germany, of course, the three all at Wembley, make you more or less confident for the World Cup and why? So... Uh, Do you want to take the less confidence and I'll take the more confidence? I think it's a good idea. So yeah. uh, we got one from Paul, who... Um, these are the less confidence, and he said, concerned. How are we going to break down teams who set up to defend? It's a good yeah. point, and you would have thought that. I mean, Andy certainly said that against Iran in uh, in England's opening game. You would imagine they're going to um, set up to defend. Well, again, Paul, uh, we just need Jude Bellingham to be his very, 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 very best, and uh, and hopefully that he will become our Zinedine Zidane. Where's that come from? Where has we listen? Half an hour in, I thought this has been good. He's he's kept it. I mean, normally I expect this kind of stuff about a week here out. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but can I, can I come back on Paul's point? Because I think it's a really interesting question. Yeah. But I am I am less concerned about that than Paul and mm. about than you and then and, and Andy, chiefly because the Bellingham thing, that's important. But also I think England, and, and, and this is caveated by assuming that Southgate is going to utilise these players. Yeah. Um, but we've got a 26-man squad and we've got five subs to choose from, right? We have a, an array of attacking players players that we can use that in those front three positions and even actually out wide in those wing back positions assuming yep. Gareth plays a 3-4-3 three, three, mm. that I think can can overcome a variety of different challenges so if a team are going to sit really deep say like we assume Iran will mm. maybe you don't use your really pacey forwards because yeah. they can just soak it up maybe Foden, you bring maybe a Grealish in or, Grealish. Yeah, or a Foden to play between the lines or a Mount or whatever mm. there's, there's, there, is, there are an array of attacking options array of tools in the toolbox that Southgate can use if he wants to. And that, to me, feels, with the greatest respect to Paul, that, to me, feels a bit like an older-fashioned type criticism of England, which I'm not necessarily sure is the case now. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. And I think that uh, Southgate starting Foden in the, in the two games, actually, and I 
you know, would if you know if we were choosing our starting, well, not maybe for the tour, not for the Iran game, but just maybe against better opposition. I think maybe Saka should start because England will have to play a bit deeper and play more as a unit. Whereas, as you say, if they've got yeah. a little bit more of the field, then maybe. Okay, well, um, I've got one here from Oliver uh, who says less confident. Relying on England heroics never ends well. Would like to have seen more control. I that does resonate with me actually, Oliver. Right. I, I totally agree with that. I think that I said that to this point on, on, on the Ramble on Monday or, or on Ramble Reacts on Tuesday, rather, that England, when it became a bit more like a Premier League game and a bit hectic, then England yeah. kind of went, all oh, right, yeah, we, we, we know what we're doing here. And yes, of course, it's a confidence booster to score those goals. And we'll see how much of an effect that has, if any, on this England team. But they didn't have control really in any of those games, I, I didn't think. Yeah. And, and so, yes, my concern... About off the back of the Euros, I thought we were one of the favourites for the World Cup, and I thought we've got a real chance now. Come on, I can't wait for this tournament. But I actually, yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that, and I'm, I'm less confident after these games, and I just think, yeah, right. I'm so, so, sure. but I don't <clears throat> think England will be as bad. Um, yeah, at the World Cup as they have, I think they will be better. So that's why I went medium on Gary Neville. I, I feel like, I feel like, um, on Oliver's point. I think it's, it's fair. Um, and I think there are two ways to approach this. One is you go, how have the teams that have won tournaments recently done it? And it's been quite solid, right? Mm. And it's been like quite in control and solid and everything like that. So you either try and do that, assuming that England are good enough to do that against the good teams, or you just throw caution to the wind and go, do you know what? You have a go, we have a go, and we'll, we'll trust, you know, see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I think in the Germany game, that's probably partly what happened because England probably when they went two nil down they got to the point where they were like shit. Mm. I mean now we can't get any worse than this and there's no time left to, to amend this. We either now or never and they went for it. And to be fair to them, they were one goalkeeper, one ar- un- uncharacteristic goalkeeping mistake away mm. from winning that game three two. At which point everyone would have been like fucking hell. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, they would have been, wouldn't they? Yeah. And so and so these margins are very fine. Um, but I also I think Oliver makes. A really, really fair point. Now, some of our listeners and social media followers were more confident, and I've got a couple here. One from Joe, who says, I'm now more confident. Uh, like Luke, I thought we'd lose and that we'd have that would result in some d- distracting and toxic negativity in the run-up to the tournament. The Germany performance should keep all that below the boil now. Uh, a big part of Southgate's England generally has been moving away from that kind of atmosphere, which I think is a really interesting point, Marcus. Yeah, I do as well, and I think that it got everybody going at Wembley because we had the booze at San Siro and there was a little bit of that at Wembley. But suddenly the mood did change. I mean, watching the game, you just... Because I know a lot of other nations would say this, but we want it so much and we've enjoyed this team. And I think in this mm. Nations League campaign, everyone's going, where are the boys? Where, what, hang on, what's... Yeah. We've loved this team. We've loved this... Is it lads? Game. We thought it was lads. Yeah. Well, where are they gone? <laughs> where are the lads? What yeah. happened to the likely lads? Where's the pylons? Uh, exactly. Where's all yeah. that? And then suddenly it's like, oh, hang on, oh, we're, and we're, we did see that, off. Marcus. We did see that in the in the in the celebration. Of, I think yes. it was the third goal. That's right. They the players went crazy. Exactly. And you thought, Here we are again. And the, and the fact is that, that I think they had lift off. You know, Declan Rice said after the Italy game. I think he he said like, "We will come good. We'll come good," or, or something like that. And I think they when know, that third they goal know went in, and they're like, "Ah, come on." And they celebrated like that, Marcus. He did. Um, I heard Despite already being relegated. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that you shout. You just screamed to your wife. Clear tomorrow's diary. <laughs> I'm back. 
I am back, baby. <laughs> no need for tomorrow's therapy, everybody. Yeah, I'm cured. Um, I think I think we'll leave the final uh, the final uh, point from our friend Robbie, who's got in touch to say uh, I feel more confident. It's not the best prep, but this World Cup doesn't have a clear favourite, and now I feel like anything could happen. I think that's quite a nice summary, actually. Um, mm. Some people would say or point to um, France being a big favourite, I suppose. Uh, yeah, they've been poor. And they, but they've had a really difficult time. So I think it's a reasonable thing to end on to say that, you know, let's keep this in perspective. Um, do we have a standout kind of favourite for this tournament anyway? I don't know what you think about that, Marcus. Yeah, I would say to Joe, I get what you're saying, but um, have a look at what Brazil have been doing. And they're very much due a World Cup win. <laughs> yeah, so Brazil are the favourites, um, France second favourites, Argentina third favourites, and then England fourth favourites. Oh, we've dropped but, down to fourth. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but I think the, we but could, the, I think the we could odds... Do... When the odds are working, I mean, it's not like people are like, wow, these guys are far and away easily the favourites. I mean, it's still quite tight. Yeah. Well, I think I'm, I'm glad that we, I think England was second favourites not that long ago. So but we'll probably be about sixth or seventh or eighth by the time Qatar comes around, maybe. I well, don't by know. the time we're knocked out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've lost our first two group games. Anyway, uh, there we are, there we everybody. Lars Watch is back, officially. Yeah. I did. It's, it's here and it's here to stay until the tournament begins, of course, because we will be with you next Saturday and every Saturday until the start of that World Cup in Qatar. But before that, we will be seeing you, of course, for the usual ramble on Monday, rounding up the best action from the weekend. So uh, so there we are. Thank you very much for listening. Luke, a pleasure. Yeah, great. And uh, I'll just add that um, yeah, if you want to get involved in Lions Watch every Saturday, keep an eye on the socials at Football Ramble um, because we'll put questions out there, give you a chance to get involved. And we always like hearing from fellow England fans or even people who are just excited for England to fall on their faces and, and want to tell us so. Uh, it's all good stuff. Yeah, which definitely is a part of the listenership of this Absolutely. <laughs> Quite a large part, I think, is the, <laughs> the correspondence. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is to be relieved. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to the next one. Cheers, Marcus. Absolutely. See you all soon. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.